good to see all of you here today. We've got a lot of people traveling and away, so we need to be tra- playing for traveling mercy. And they need to get back and start worshiping with us. Amen? All right. Say so it's good to see everybody. I... C.S. Lewis once said that there is a desire here on this earth that he can't fulfill. So it's got to mean that there's something that is better in a world that is greater than this one. I, uh, I cannot help but believe that as pilgrims on this earth, we need to be heaven-focused. I think it's very clear that as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, that we, have under, that we understand that even though we live in this world, that we are dead to this world. And there's something greater that lies beyond If you have your Bibles, I'd ask that you turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, I have preached several messages from this text, but I ask that that you turn with me there, and I want to go through uh, what we'll call the upper room discourse, as Jesus is preparing himself to die, and he will meet with the disciples in the upper room. Now take into consideration, we've all been afraid. I will say that we have all gone through things that we do not like, whether it's the anticipation of surgery, whether it's sickness, whether you may be fired tomorrow, or we may be uh, in a a situation where we're all alone. I think that we all have a tendency to be afraid. I oftentimes have been afraid in many things, and, and 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 I praise God that, but that's not the spirit that He gave me, okay? Now, we all have fear, But to live in constant fear is a problem. Okay? We all have the tendency to be afraid. But to live in constant fear is a problem. And and, and what you will see here is the disciples are confused. They're afraid. Because Jesus has been telling them, i got to go. But there's a reason i got to go. Okay? There's a reason. And I cannot think of a more beautiful passage that I could share with you this morning and give you some points in John chapter 14. Let's all stand together as we read God's Word. And Jesus said to them, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and some translations say mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will... Come again and receive you under myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way of where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Amen and amen. You may be seated. As I was talking with Carrie this week about the songs we're going to sing, I love the song we just sung a few minutes ago and all the people said amen. See, I want you to think about the lyrics of this for a minute. We are all the same in need of mercy to be forgiven and be free. It's all we got to lean on, but thank God that's all we need. Do you hear that? Because what Jesus is going to tell them is I have to go. I'm going away for a while. And I know you are afraid. And I know that you're scared. But I'm telling you, let not your hearts be troubled. How many of you know what it's like to have a troubled heart? 
We have been troubled in so many things. And so many times we seek comfort elsewhere or seek comfort through friends. And I'm not telling you that that's the wrong thing to do. But it's not the only thing to do and it's surely not the greatest thing to do. Because I can promise you that my friends have let me down. I have let you down. You have maybe let me down. We all let people down. Now I'm trying to build up to give a point of where I'm going with this text. We're all flawed people. Every one of us are flawed. You may not think you are, but you are. We're all flawed people in need of mercy. So when Christ saved us, what He is telling us is I am there for you. Not only have I changed you and given you a new nature, I have given you an expectation of something that is greater in this, than this world. And you've got to live like it. So He goes back and He tells these disciples, look, don't let your hearts be troubled. Yes, you know what? You're all probably going to die. Every one of you. As a matter of fact, every one of the disciples died. Eleven of them by martyrship. One died a natural death. That was John who was banished to the Isle of Patmos who wrote the book of Revelation in which we've been studying. Their disciples died. Most of them martyred. You are going to die, but let not your hearts be troubled. Now, Chad, that's kind of discouraging to say, isn't it? Oh, no. Death for the believer is something that should be desired. Now, that doesn't go for the world today, does it? You see, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody likes the transition to get there. Would you agree with that? I think there's a lot of old me's this morning. Y'all being silent. Look, there may be some people away, but those are here, you need to be worshiping Jesus. So they're troubled. He's leaving. And yes, you're going to go through these things, but I told you I'd never leave you or forsake you. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Not believe that me. You see me, I'm here. You see, what's amazing about these is they walk with Jesus continuously, but yet some still did not believe. You hear me? They did not believe. Even Thomas, when Jesus rose again, unless I see the scars. Isn't it amazing how much doubt we have when we have troubled hearts? But he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. I want to give you three simple truths this morning about this text that gives me joy. Number one, and I want you to write this down. You say, well, Chad, I don't take notes. Start. Look, write this down. Number one, Jesus give us a promised place. Listen to me. A place that is promised. He said, listen, I go to prepare a place for you. I go. Jesus has always been faithful in His promises. The writer of Hebrews tells us, let us hold unswervingly to our faith. Which means that's to stay the course. Quit being wishy-washy. If you believe, believe. Hold unswervingly to your faith because He that promised is faithful. He will sustain you. 
He will hold you. You will have trouble. There's a reason we picked these songs this morning. In this world you will have trouble. But I will give you my truth. I promised not to leave you or forsake you. And the same God and same Jesus they've seen walks and look, I'm coming back. But I may tarry. But you know what? I made a promise to you. I got a place that where I am, there you may also be. The promise place. What kind of place do you want? You see, Jesus said that we should lay our treasures in heaven. I want to share you an illustration of someone I love deeply. You see, I understand what it means to lay your treasures in heaven. But it never quite clicked to me until something happened about ten years ago. There's a couple there again that I love deeply. Their name are Jeff and Kay. When we lived in Pennsylvania, they, they were there for us. And they taught me so many valuable lessons. And one day, our car tore up. And it was, it was a bad situation. I, I, Tiffany was pregnant with the twins. And, and we had to travel from where we lived to a place called Danville. Now, that's like driving from here to Honolulu, Hawaii. Not really. I thought it was funny. Evidently, y'all didn't. But anyway, it's a long distance, okay? And I didn't have a vehicle. And when she was pregnant with the twins, we had to make this journey three times a week. And we didn't have a vehicle. And Jeff come up to me and he says, hey, I want to give you my car for a week. I said, I don't want to do that. He said, why? I said, because Jeff, what if I wreck it? What if I tear it up? And you've heard me use this saying, and he's who I got it from. He said, Chad, God has always given me sandals in the desert. And he will take care of me today. You see, the very point is this. His eyes were set on eternal things. Because what he said, if you wreck it, you wreck it. It's just a thing. We hold so tightly to the things that we have on this earth. But what God has promised is greater than anything you could ever have. And a mature believer understands this. You may take my home, you may take my jewelry, you may take everything, but what you can't take away is my Jesus, who has promised me eternity eternity in His presence. Be encouraged, people. There's something greater than this world. There's something greater than your 401k. There's something greater than the people that you work for. There's something greater than this government, and His name is Christ. And He's faithful in His promises. Do you believe that? Do you believe God gives you sandals in the desert? Do you believe He supplies your need? Chad, I'm sick right now. You know what? Paul was sick. We all been sick. Remember, in this world you will have trouble, but I'll give you my peace. God never promised to remove a trial. Chad, you say this every week. Yeah, because I'm going to drill it to people understand that this health, wealth, garbage does not ever come through those doors because it's not by the things I am saved. It's only by the grace of God. And He will sustain me. And He will hold me. 
It's not about what I can achieve. It's who has me. That ought to give you peace. He gave a promise. He said he'd never leave you, forsake you. I believe the same Christ that saved us sustains us. And I say that quite often because I believe that God will give you peace when you need it. And whether it's time to die, he will give you the dying peace too. But only Christ can give it. Amen? It's a promised place. Number two, he says, I prepare a place for you. It's a prepared place. I don't know how many of you have ever dealt with weddings. But when my children were married, you know, it's, the, it's of course the groom's responsibility to take care of the, the dinner, the, 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 the rehearsal dinner, right? So I'm glad that I don't have children that wanted filet mignon for everybody. As far as I'm concerned, for a rehearsal dinner, you can have McNuggets. You're going to be just as married the next day as you are the day, you know. But I was trying to prepare for this wedding banquet. For both of my sons, and different of them had different things, but how many people was going to be there. And there's a lot of stress that goes with this. And a lot of money. Well, I wonder how many chicken strips he's going to eat. And we're negotiating, should we feed everybody or should we let everybody have it to themselves? You know, and I'm saying, you said, Chad, this is silly. No, it's not. Let a child get married. Y'all know what I'm going through. And we got twice to do it again. But I was thinking of, of going through this, how much planning went into it and how much trouble it was to prepare for a wedding feast. But Christ has prepared for us a wedding feast made by the hands that are unshakable and undefiled, a wedding banquet for you and for me. He says, I prepare a place. Do you understand that our Jesus is working on a building, and it's a building that is prepared for all those who place their faith and trust in Him? There's nothing greater. We live so many times in this world as, I'm a Christian, <laughs> praise God. Praise God. I'm the grumpiest human that ever walked, praise God. Life can't get any better, praise God. So many times Christians live miserable lives. And you forget the fact that Christ has prepared a place for you. You are special. You have been called by His name. You have been trans, transformed by His Spirit. You are somebody. Yes. And He prepared a place for you and for me. You know, prepare a mansion. I thought about this. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. Now, I don't know how many of you have been to Biltmore House. It's kind of cool. But the first thing I do when I see that house is who's going to clean it? <laughs> we always want the biggest and best thing. And the Biltmore House has been there approximately 120 years, maybe. But I can assure you the Biltmore House will crumble. Because it's been built by man. You say, well, we still have the pyramids. Oh, there's a few things in the last 5,000 years. But I can promise you this. That that that's created by the master's hands will never fade away. And it's permanent. You see, I think about something. As Jesus was telling us, don't worry about food or drink. He's talking to his disciples. He said, consider the lilies of the field. One of my favorite passages in the scripture. That they don't toil and spin. And even Solomon in all his glory wasn't clothed as one of these. 
You see, there's a very, very important reason that Christ said that. You see, Solomon was full of glory. You read the book of Chronicles. Second Chronicles tells us that Solomon was the wisest king. And he had it all. He had money. He had women. What this world would say, man, that's great. He had things. And it never brought him satisfaction. He had the magnificence. And it brought Israel as a united kingdom to a pinnacle, if you love wealth, if you will. But it wasn't enough. And even the lilies of the field, the lilies of the field are greater than Solomon because they're made by our Creator. Do you see that? Because the Bible tells me that Solomon got the best masons, the most beautiful timber, because he wanted to create a temple to God. See, his dad couldn't do it because he's a man of war. But Solomon was given that right to build this temple. But yet even that temple to this day is gone. Because it was a temple built by human hands, not prepared by the Master Himself. Solomon was given the ability to build it. But the place that Jesus Christ has prepared has been built by the Master Builder's hands that will never fail nor never go away. Number three, listen. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you to Myself. That where I am, there you may also be. Number three, it's a perfect place. You see, we live in a world that's defiled and touched by the sin of human hands. But the place that we're going, there's no more sin. Revelation 21, Revelation 7. Revelation tells us that every tear will be wiped away for there's no sadness. There will be no longing and hurt. There will be no satisfaction because Christ is enough. Revelation also tells us that there are streets of gold, a street of gold, a crystal sea. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I can tell you this, that the imagery that John painted in, in Revelation that was given to him to see by our Father, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is beautiful. Picasso can't even paint a picture that lovely. Because the home that is built, the home that is prepared, is perfect made by the Master's hands. The man who was undefiled by sin, who was unblemished, who was perfect in all things, is the Master Builder. Amen? Yeah. You see, it's a perfect place. I got to thinking about this as I was preparing this sermon this week. I was, when I first, I worked for industry when I was living in Pennsylvania as a missionary, and, and, and I had to be bivocational, and I worked for a housing manufacturer in the plant. I did their maintenance but when I transferred back down here to become the pastor of Livingway, there was not a plant, so I had to go to a retail and change from what I did in the industry to go to retail and go to different homes and take care of their electrical problems. And I got to thinking about this. A lot of the homes that were built were brand new, and one of my jobs was to go in and inspect these homes, okay, and find the flaws. Now look, any of you that have a house, you're going to have flaws, and look, I want to be the first to tell you, if you buy a new home, it's going to be flawed. Because me re reading an inch and sixteenth is a little different than somebody else reading an inch and sixteenth. People make mistakes. Not everybody can read a ruler. Not everything is square. You know once you move in there, you will see nail holes. 
And everything that I had to do, I had to listen. This is the trick to this. I had to correct the blemishes before the people moved in. Let me just put it to you this way. I covered all the issues. Listen to me. You say, well, Chad, I paid $940 million for my house. It's perfect. I can promise you it's not. Look, I did this for a living all my life. I'm telling you, it's not. What runs water through it will leak. What has power will get hot and melt. And what has been built by wood will rot. Okay? But I covered the blemishes to let people know, hey, you got a beautiful home. And I didn't just go sneak and cover stuff up. I did the best I could to repair what was made. But I still covered it up. Now listen where I'm going with this. I covered it up. See, I had to cover the blemishes. Christ, with this perfect place, there are no blemishes to cover up because all the blemishes have been taken away. And that that we think is crooked, Christ is made straight. It's a perfect place. A perfect place. Now, Chad, where did we go with this? Let me tell you. I pray today that every one of you sitting here has placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I pray that today. I can't say that. See, I don't live in your home. I, I don't see what happens at the workplace. I will never assume as pastor of this church that everybody sitting here is a born-again believer in Jesus. To do so would be foolish. As Paul Washer once said, one of the greatest evangelistic fields in the West is the church on Sunday morning. Now that comes as a shock factor, don't it? Because here's the point I want to make with all this. Every one of you are blemished. Every one of you. The Bible says, Isaiah says, our righteousness is but a filthy rags. No matter how great we think we are, we fall short. We have all come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Now some of us may do better things than others, but all of us come short. You see, going back to the promise... He said he promised he would never leave us or forsake us. See, this promised place are for those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus and those alone. Listen to me. There's no other place when you leave this world that you'll go. You're going to be in Christ's presence or you'll be in hell. Luke 16 is very clear on that. In other passages, but you ought to read that. And for those that have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ... He has prepared you not only for the world that you live in, but for the world to come. You hear me? He gave a promise that he'd never leave you or forsake you, but he also has prepared you. As I often say, the same spirit that has convicted you, the same Jesus Christ that has saved you, is the same Christ and spirit that will sustain you. He promised, he prepared, and he's perfect. You see, you are not perfect. Yet, as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, if you are here, if you are His, your desire as a born-again believer, since you have the Holy Spirit in you, will be to conform to the image of Christ. Which means, well, you love to use the big word, you've heard it all your life, sanctification. Conforming to the image of Christ. You're not perfect, but your desire is to be perfect. Listen, 
Where are you going with this, Chad? Let me tell you. You see, I know that I'm flawed, but my desire is to be like Christ who's unflawed. And that should be your desire too. Are you going to fall short? Yes. But falling short should never be an excuse to misuse God's grace and mercy. He's prepared you. He's prepared a home. He promised you. He promised a home. And He will perfect you on the day of redemption if you're His. Because one day, this body that you see will be changed in an instant. I won't have to get up out of bed late and try to limp because I did something yesterday I shouldn't have done. I won't have to worry about losing my loved ones. I won't have to worry about what might happen tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow. Do you know the Bible says that the glory of God is so bright that we don't need the sun and moon? That heaven's light is enough? See, now I'm going to get wound up in heaven. What time is it? It don't matter. Look. The Bible also tells me, listen, that He wants to be there with me. That where I am there, you may be also. He wants to dwell among us. You know, how many of you have ever had visitors? Woo, I'm going to raise a ruckus with this, but I want to tell you. I think it was, what was it, Benjamin Franklin that says, after three days, visitors and fish stink. <laughs> Y'all ever heard that? When I was a kid, I used to go to my friend's house. And my mama always had this saying, never wear out your welcome. Have you heard this? Don't wear out your welcome. I'm glad Christ ain't like that. Because the home in which I'm going, we will dwell together for eternity. Amen? Amen. And we don't wear out our welcome because we are welcomed by the one that saved us. What a great place to dwell. You know, not only has He prepared a place for us, He's coming back. He promised us He would. Now, a lot of people would disagree on timing, but I'm going to tell you this. Jesus is coming back. And you can bow now or you can bow later, but every one of you is going to bow. He's coming back. And the Bible says it will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. All I know, and I can't explain all the mysteries and the glories of heaven, but there's enough in that Bible that tells me that I want to be there. Because not only will I see the loved ones that have gone before me, and the friends who have mentored me, and the pastors who shared the gospel with me, but I'm going to see the one who welcomes me, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Does He know you? You see, Thomas says, we don't know how to get there. How can we know the way? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way. Christ is the only way. All roads do not lead to Christ. All roads do not lead to God. There is one road, and it's a narrow path. And few people find it. And it's just not believing that Jesus, but believing in Jesus. When you commit to Christ, you surrender to Him wholly. Which means faith and repentance go hand in hand. 
that I was going this direction, and now I've changed directions. And those things that I wanted to do, as my grandpa would say, my want-tos change. Because the things that I wanted to do, don't want to do anymore. And the things that I don't want to do, I want to do. Because Christ has changed me. He has promised me. He has perfected and prepared a place. And one day I'm going to dwell in eternity with Him. And I pray that you do too. Well, you say, Chad, I've never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Well, you can. As I say many times before, I don't know when you're going to leave this world, but you can know how you leave it. And I pray today that the Holy Spirit's convicting. You respond. You see, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. One of the things that I do every day when I go in and check my email at work or whether I'm off is I check the obituaries because it seems the older I get, the older I'm getting, the page grows bigger and bigger. And death is no respecter of age. But it seems like my grandpa said, the older you get, you'll recognize more people. And that's a fact. Death is a certainty. Physical death is a certainty. But spiritual death is also a certainty. And you'll either spend eternity in the presence of Christ or eternity in hell. And I pray today that if Christ doesn't know you, that you turn to Him before it's eternally too late. There is no greater Savior. And if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, then you live in expectation. Chad, my plumbing blew up last week. Well, you know what? Praise God, it's only temporary. And it might cost money and you might have to bandage it, but one day we're going to have eternal rest where the plumbing isn't a problem. Guys, I love you. And I love this church. I love this community. And the more that God gives me on this earth, every day is a bonus. But I have come to the realization, if I am absent from this body, I will be present with the Lord. But while I am in this body, I have a firm belief that if people go to hell, they need to be tripping over me on the way there. Not that I am super spiritual. I will fail. But every one of our desires is to see people, should be to see people come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. My job, and I will say this fully in closing, is not to fill these pews with people. Listen to me. My job is not to build another building so we can fill the pews with people. My job is not to see how many we can get that we can turn into the state and the association how many people we had. My job is to the best of my ability with led by the Holy Spirit to fill people with Christ. That's why I'm here. And I pray today that you get the urgency and the desire to see what I want to see. And that's people come to know Christ. And more importantly, that He knows them. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for an eternal home. A home that is built on Your foundation where termites nor bugs can destroy, nor waters wash away, but a foundation built on the solid rock of Jesus that is eternal and You have prepared a place in the same message that You spoke to Your disciples 2,000 years ago is still applicable today. 
that let not our hearts be troubled, for we believe in You, and we believe in God. And we know that You are the way, the truth, and the life. And one day, we have a home prepared for us in glory where nothing can destroy. And Your light shines brighter than anything that we've ever seen. Amen and amen. And I ask that you stand and sing with us this hymn that was written in 1939 that I learned when I was a little boy. And I pray that you know, if you don't, learn it, because it's a beautiful one. Let's sing.